0: All right this week my guest is somebody that I'm really excited to talk to cuz it's somebody that uh, I'm kind of a fan of on the internet and to me uh, internet celebrities little air quotes there are you know like my favorite people they may not have the biggest audiences but like I feel the most connected to them and today it's Mark Bramhill hey mark
1: hey hey i i feel like even like D-list internet celebrity is is generous for me, but, it's
0: <laughs> but But that's kind of what I mean. Is it doesn't matter the ranking. It's like how much do you pay attention to that person, right? Yeah, no, I, I feel like
1: that. I there are definitely people who I would be more excited about meeting who I'm a fan of on Twitter than like an actual like movie star. To exactly. In, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'd have more to talk about for sure.
0: <laughs> no, that's that's exactly. How it, yeah, like if I ran into Merlin Man. I'd be like, oh, I could sit down and chat with you for two hours and be really interesting. Whereas I run into celebrity who's not coming to mind. I would probably be pretty just, hello, nice to meet you. Thank you. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> so for anybody who's not familiar with, if that name doesn't ring any bells, it's because he is the voice behind and the creator behind Welcome to Macintosh which a little bit of amazing praise for you. This, this was probably a good week for your downloads because I just listened to the talk show mm-hmm. by John Gruber. And in the very end, uh, you got a very nice shout out by Marco. And uh, you're in the show notes too. And I, I got to read the quote. I'm going to embarrass you for a second here. <laughs> okay. What, what was Actually, I don't have it in front of you. I think it was like, minute for minute, the best Apple podcast in the world?
1: Yep. That that was it.
0: <laughs> That's a pretty sweet endorsement. That's great. From probably the biggest Apple podcasters in the world, right?
1: Yeah. It's certainly a, a nice, it was a nice ego boost there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. And I don't think they're wrong. I mean, you've done an excellent thing. So if you're not going to listen to Welcome to Macintosh before you jump into this episode, which you probably should, because their episodes are, are pretty short, it's a tightly edited. I mean, I kind of hate to say NPR style because they, they don't need all the credit for this, but you know, NPR style podcast, that,
1: narrative, narrative focused uh, podcast. So, like, exactly, yeah. How is that? How you describe it? Maybe you give the pitch, I and mean, I always have a hard time describing it, uh, but it's a narrative-based show, like narrative storytelling about Apple and the community around it is the best way I have of describing it. Because it's not always like a history of a tech thing or even all that technical. Pretty often, it's just about people. There was a great quote that I heard from Stephen Levy, who I'm a huge fan of, the tech journalist and writer. He's been in the industry for ages. Mm -hmm. I'm paraphrasing here, but without people, computers are just sand. People are what make technology interesting the computers and the technology in isolation like it maybe is cool how it works but i'm definitely much more interested in the stories of the people that are behind it and who are using it and that it's impacting and so that's that's like the best way i have of describing it where it's it's not a speeds and feeds show about like tech news or anything like that it's narrative stories and about the people behind and impacted by tech
0: I love to hear that. I mean, that's part of how I think about, more specifically, my YouTube channel, which is more like tech-based, but mm-hmm. I try to think those same thoughts as a way to just get to know each, or me to get to know you, actually. You're not going to get to know me in this. I'm, I just <laughs> wrote down 20 questions before this. Okay. Rapid fire. What's Mark Bramhill all about here? So, okay. Where are you located?
1: Uh, I currently live in Houston, Texas, the Bayou City. What is your preferred podcast player? I use Overcast. Yeah, same <laughs> I really like orange. It's my favorite color. <laughs> if that's how you choose.
0: You know what frustrates me though about that orange is that around the same time I started using Overcast, Audible switched to the orange <laughs> icon and they're both always on my home screen and they're not they're frustratingly not different. Uh, so I just keep them, keep their distance from each other. What's your favorite technology podcast?
1: Favorite tech podcast?
0: You don't have to choose one. You can choose, you know, two or three if you need to.
1: You know, I would probably pick for tech talk shows, I would probably pick ATP. And for something closer to what I do than Reply All, if you can consider that a tech show. They play fast and loose with the theme of a show about the internet and technology, but definitely some of my favorite stories and podcast stuff going on with them.
0: I often hear from average people that aren't specifically into tech tell me that Reply All is their favorite technology show. So mm-hmm. I think you're absolutely right. You know, for For people that aren't As, you know, maybe nerdy as we are, it is tech. Okay, what shows had the most influence on Welcome to Macintosh?
1: For the most influence on Welcome to Macintosh, it would probably be 99% Invisible. That's definitely the one which I think my show is most, because there's a lot of shows that inspire me, but I don't know that which ones go into the podcast as much. I think for Welcome to Macintosh, 99% Invisible is definitely one of the biggest. Reply all as well. In places, you'll hear little bits that are definitely inspired from me listening to hours and hours of Radiolab. There's definitely a broad range of shows that I'm pulling techniques and styles from, but I think 99% Invisible is the the closest cousin to what I do.
0: What mic are you using right now?
1: I'm using the Marco Arment approved Shure Beta 87A.
0: Wow, I hear that's a good one. I mean, yeah, if anybody hasn't seen Marco's Infinitely deep podcast mic <laughs> uh, guide. That's the that's the place to look. Don't ask me what to buy. Marco tested
1: everything. <laughs> yeah, really, really tested uh, a wide range of microphones.
0: What are your What are your favorite headphones?
1: I think my favorite headphones that I have are the uh, Bear Dynamic T90s. They're a few years old, but they're open back headphones, so only good when you're like in a quiet space alone. Mm-hmm. But um, they uh, are super comfortable. They sound great. They definitely emphasize the trebles a little more, which I like for a sound signature of a headphone, but not for everybody. Do you have a
0: favorite YouTuber? I don't know if you watch YouTube. uh, If you happen to, is there anybody you you enjoy uh, not just audio content, but video content from?
1: Honestly, I don't subscribe to much on YouTube, so I don't know that I would have a good answer for that.
0: That could have been the question. I should have just asked if you watch YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I just watch YouTube, so I assume other people do,
1: but you don't have to. I know I'm definitely unusual in that. More people watch YouTube than listen to podcasts. So Yeah,
0: yeah, that's, that's definitely true. I think I spent a while f- trying to force podcast as being my preferred medium. And then when I let go, I put more time into YouTube my podcast listenership (laughs) increased a lot. So um, it's definitely an easier place to grow than a podcast is.
1: Yeah, certainly for the number of people, I think the view numbers are just tend to be so much larger for a successful YouTube channel compared to a successful Mm -hmm. podcast.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's weird. Um, But I prefer podcasts personally. Do you you have a favorite iPhone of all time?
1: I'd have to go with the uh, iPhone 4. That was the first one I had. uh, And was I mean is just such a classic design so
0: which Mac are you using right now uh
1: I have the 15 inch MacBook Pro with uh touch bar the first version of it
0: oh okay is uh, is the key- keyboard still working for you
1: <laughs> uh mostly no it's <laughs> I've I've had to bust out the had to bust out the compressed air a couple times but Ooh. it's it's still holding up
0: <laughs> what's your primary audio editing
1: software uh, I edit in Logic Pro 10 uh, what's your favorite note-taking app I just use Apple Notes. It's no, no. a shockingly great app. Yeah, it, it turned really <laughs> great
0: you know, a few versions back.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it's something where it has all the features that I could really want in a Notes app, and I don't have to think about it much. So it's definitely a fan. If you could interview
0: anybody at Apple, who would it be? You only get one, though, and then you never get to interview anybody else.
1: Yeah, I and mean, that's honestly, that's pretty realistic. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard because... The first instinct is you go for the big names, but a lot of them do a lot of interviews, and in them they say a whole lot of nothing.
0: <laughs> Absolutely,
1: yeah. Uh, and so I think I'd be much more interested in, like, talking to someone, I don't know, someone who's been at Apple for a really long, like, it depends on are they going to be, like, coy giving Mark PR answers, or do I get, like, an interview where they actually are willing to talk about stuff.
0: No, that's a good question. What universe is this in? Let's say it's in the in the real universe of okay. what answers you're likely to get.
1: I think I would probably actually go for then someone who's an ex-Apple person, because they're actually going to be able to talk about stuff. So I would probably go with maybe Scott Forstall.
0: Okay, yeah, that'd be a great one.
1: I I feel like just talking to him about the origin of iPhone stuff and other people on the who are on that original iPhone team, I think that would be a really interesting group of people to to mine for stories.
0: Well, I'm sure by now you've listened to that, the, the menu bar episode oh, with yeah, Bob Burrow. Wow, that was, <laughs> I'd never heard a voice like that come out of a former <laughs> Apple person. So if you could, okay, I don't remember, maybe this came from an ATP episode or something, but it's somebody else's question, not mine. But if you could only use iOS or macOS for the rest of your life, which one would it be?
1: MacOS, easy, easy question for me just because, I so much of what I do is reliant on Mac software, and just that's that's where I get actual work done where I know there are lots of people who love doing work on their iPads. The tools for what I do just aren't there yet and I have had to do <laughs> had to work on windows for for various things recently, and I would much rather use an Android phone and actually be able to do my work on, on i Mac.
0: Could, I couldn't agree more. Um, and I got to point out, when I, I entered this note using Siri uh, dictation, and it wrote <laughs> iOS or Mac, M-A-C-K space OS. It, it couldn't recognize Mac, Mac OS. Uh,
1: that's, um, oh, Siri. <laughs>
0: yeah, unfortunately, I, I wish I was surprised. Okay, here, how have about have this for the last question? Okay, uh, so let's say you're on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and the final question is about Apple. And you and you don't know the answer. Who would you phone for uh, your phone a friend for help? Like, who's the Mac expert out there that you
1: would go to in your time of need? Oh, that's easy. I would go to John Syracuse. That's. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, actually, I'm gonna. I might take that. Well, it depends on what part about Apple that would that really affects it. But yes. It's either John Syracuse or Stephen Hackett.
0: But yeah, because I think there'd be a difference between uh, like a really contemporary question versus a historical question. You know, I'd go to John for something historical, especially. And then, yeah, for for new stuff, there's there's a few people. I mean, I'm like I think about Jason Snell, maybe. Yeah, he, you know, people that are like really new newsy about it too. I don't know. Yeah,
1: I think yeah, Stephen Stephen might actually be the best for for history stuff. Okay. No, that's a, it's a, it's a, it's a question where it's, it really would depend on the content of the question, but, but I definitely, I, the, the good news is I, there is a, a long, a large bench to choose from.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. If, yeah, if one person didn't pick up, you just, you'd have 20 more to call because there's good ones. And this gives me a chance to say something I keep um forgetting to say it anywhere else i wanted to include this in uh, i did some youtube videos recently with podcast recommendations so especially i was talking about tech shows i was like uh, you know here's here's just kind of my favorite technology shows it's funny actually it was meant to be uh, i wrote it like my script was top tech shows and then i recorded it and was editing and i realized like wait a minute Only one of these is not an Apple podcast, so I had to change the name to being like top Apple podcasts because I really (laughs) wasn't recommending anything else. And that made me think about uh, two things. One, uh, something I want to like uh, kind of go into in depth someday is like why Apple. You know, like why do I talk Mm -hmm. about Apple so much when I'm not I'm not an Apple news guy in any way. But to me, Apple is computers. You know, Mm -hmm. there are other computers, and it's not that they're bad and other people get all their work done on them there's other phones out there there's there's lots of products available that other people use to fulfill the same roles i turn to apple for but to me apple is my platform of choice so the other stuff sort of doesn't exist you know yeah
1: yeah no i totally feel that i think it's something where for both of us then doing creative work for a long time the mac has had a huge advantage in software uh, and like a rich ecosystem of creative software and tools and is just a has been a better place to do this kind of work and so it's been more appealing in that way but it's also something where i i definitely have a hard time analyzing my own fandom of the company where it's like why do i spend so much time thinking about this giant hugely profitable corporation like where i have not entirely positive feelings about them. I I find a lot of things they do to be concerning or problematic, but I I definitely feel a sense of loyalty and warmth towards this organization that I where I feel I think much I'm much quicker to be critical or upset of something that Google or Facebook does in a way that I don't know is entirely reasonable.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: So it's it's hard. I think I have gotten better about being more self-aware of these things and being able to be more, have more critical thinking about Apple and their actions. Um, but it's, it's definitely been something where over the years it's, there have been times of more blind loyalty that uh, is definitely weird to look back on. Well
0: judging by the podcasts that we both seem to listen to I I mean I think it represents a pretty fair spectrum of of criticism and appreciation you know John John's has been a great example of like you can you can love the platform you can uh, really enjoy the what the brand stands for and still spend a lot of time ranting about it and criticizing it and and wanting it to be better and I you know I think those two things should coexist I I don't think it's interesting when people are actual fanboys like fan fanboys almost i i don't know if i've never met those people i kind of hear about them on the internet but luckily i don't have to interact with them somehow where they actually get angry about criticism towards apple so i don't know i hear they exist but not not in my they world exist. And, they exist okay okay well, <laughs> i haven't had to deal with them yet so
1: I and mean, i just put out the the last episode of the season was uh have you listened to that yet the, yeah I yeah that was yeah relatively critical as far as your show goes yeah i mean it's not like entirely like it's not slamming apple or anything but i think it's mm-hmm. it's something where even raising the the point of apple does things that are bad which is not the same as apple is bad and everything they do is bad but this nuance <laughs> this nuance is perhaps lost on some people in the in the fanboy group who i have i've been hearing from in, in <laughs> I'm my sure, e- yeah. <laughs> i've been getting email <laughs> oh, <boy.
0: laughs> Well, I want to I want to circle back to Apple a little bit more towards the end of this. But for uh, anybody that didn't come here for Apple only news, we'll 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 come back around to it a, a <laughs> bit later. But the the second point is about podcasting in particular, in that a, a lot of my the viewership, listenership, my my audience, a lot of them are on YouTube. Like I was saying, it's been easier to to grow that more than show up here to listen to the audio format. But I really strongly believe that. The most interesting dialogue and expertise happens in podcasting. And that's not to say there's not great YouTubers, but if you want to really understand any topic, really, I mean, it's easiest to think about it with technology. But if you want to dive deep into something, I think you're going to get much more interesting opinions by listening to a lot of podcasts. I don't know if that's just because it's a longer format or, or what, but like the, the best experts, in my opinion, are podcasters. That's like my trusted source.
1: Yeah, I think in technology it's definitely something where it's more the case for that just because us nerds were the first to jump on this technology when it was a little <laughs> the air, barrier for, to entry very, was a little higher. Yeah. The the thing stopping you there was it was it was a much larger undertaking to make a podcast. And so yes, there are more <laughs> there are more nerds who have both listened to podcasts and been making podcasts of this style of, you know, sharing opinions about the news in a in their field or whatever. That that style of of show has been going on for a much large, a much longer time. I think in technology, and that definitely it's much easier to find these sort of experts who are are good at articulating their thoughts in in these dialogues.
0: Let's talk a bit about your your show and your creative sure. process, and like how you actually make it as well. So uh, another way to describe what you do is that you're making little documentaries.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, when I describe it to people, I tend to say it's, you know, like narrative audio documentaries is the best way I have of describing what it is.
0: And so you must go through a lot of the pre and post production of what even like a TV show doing this would be. I, I imagine like, even though it's audio only, a lot of the biggest work, like the time commitments are still happening, even though it's audio, because mm-hmm. you still have to reach out to people and set up times to talk to them and make contacts and go see them if necessary, and mm-hmm. then listen to the hours of recordings you've got <laughs> and try to find something useful.
1: Yeah. And and on the, the pre-production side, I mean, there's like before you even start doing that, it's researching story ideas and, you know, what is the the larger point of this or idea of this story? You know, there might be something fun or interesting, but, like, what universals does this touch on? That what can someone take away from this and why Why would I, like, what's the intent of telling it in the first place? And then from there, it's it's something where, like, okay, who are the right characters for this? Um, getting a hold of them, figuring out what are all the, the questions and kind of like a shot list of, like, oh, I need to get them talking about this thing or then uh, it would be great if, like, uh, try and get, like, a joke about something like this, that would be a great opener or whatever, or something, things like that, where it's thinking about, like, oh, I, what are, what's the tape that I need to get? And then from there, it's, you know, you let yourself be surprised by a lot of things, but you also want to make sure that the things that you know are essential for the story, you want to make sure that you get those before you leave. So I think, I think in that sense, very, very similar to video production, except, you are able to, <laughs> it's hard, but you, I am able to do this where I am like the one man doing <laughs> doing all of this, which I know just is not feasible with film. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean, pe- people do it, but it, yeah, it's a it's challenging. But like, how often do the things that you plan turn out the way that you planned? Like, do you find that it shifts a lot from, uh, you know, your original notes to what you end up editing together after you've recorded everything? Or 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 can you kind of execute on, on your plans pretty well?
1: I mean, I think there have been many times where I think the things that have been most profound and resonant have wound up being things that I didn't know about going into the interview in the first place. Like for, for the episode Let It Beep of the show um, about Jim Reeks. He's the creator of the Mac Startup Chime. He's this very wry, kind of curmudgeonly dude. <laughs> and... What I was thinking about is like, okay, what's the legacy of an artist who makes a thing that is really famous, but that nobody knows about them? They know they're the thing they made, but they have never heard of this person. And that is what the episode kind of is about. And, you know, the news peg and kind of the reason for telling it then is the sound is just going away. But I, I and I knew about the So the Sosumi story that happens in that. And so I knew I wanted both of those things, which are really fun.
0: I hadn't heard that story, but it was so good.
1: <laughs> it's something where I had heard him tell both of those things in like not so great like documentaries or where he'd been like filmed in a dark back of like a crowded bar. And it's, it's just like um, and not not very edited. And it's just like this is a fascinating story. And I think there is something really interesting about this. But what I didn't know going in was that he had also created the camera sound. And you know I didn't know how like personal that was to him, and that totally surprised me and that winds up being like this is sort of the they're like using that as an ending note, and that this is I wouldn't have nearly as good of an ending I don't think without without that and if I think it would be very easy to just jump in, get the quotes I needed about the the startup time, and so sue me, and just take off right but it's something where like finding out about these unexpected things and being open to your plan or your idea of and kind of your hypothesis of what the story is being open to that being wrong I think is really important because <laughs> you know that's how bad journalism happens uh if you <laughs> if you don't of oh I think this is what the story is you go and interview people you find out that your hypothesis is wrong but you like your idea better than what reality is. So you you tell the story that's in your head. And it's just like, no, that's, <laughs> that's such a huge failing where if you go in with no idea of what's going to happen or what the story is and just start talking to people, you know, you're going to be lost for a while. So it's good to have a sense of direction and an idea of, I think this is where the story is. But from talking to them, you need to find out if that's right. I feel
0: like I made a bit of this mistake on a recent episode of this show that um, I, I brought my my cousin on, who is uh, runs a design agency, and mm-hmm. I, I I had a plan for the topic of what I wanted to talk about, and and I didn't have a guest, and I was like, oh, you know, he's fam- he's like, he's a fun guy, he's family, like he'll just join me and I'll talk about this thing, and I feel like it was a real missed opportunity because he has all this expertise on running a creative small business like I do. And we started talking about that and I forced my previously planned topic Mm. and I think it was kind of the wrong move. And, you know, the specifics of how this went isn't really important. Anybody listening might've, might've already heard it, but you know, I think, uh, sometimes sticking to your, your plan can make you miss out on something that could have been
1: a lot better, you know? For sure. I think making a podcast like mine, where it's it's scripted and highly edited and it's a it's a story using multiple voices and mm-hmm. scored like there are a lot of very different types of skills that go into it. You know, you've got there's the skill of like of interviewing. There's the skill of like writing and crafting a good narrative out of this. Then there's the sort of performance when you do your record your script. And that's like a theatrical performance. And then you have the technical aspect of actually being able to put it all together, make it sound good, a musical element of scoring it. And these are all like very different skills. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I feel decent about my ability in all of these at this point, but it's something where I I am very aware that my, my weakest point is probably as an interviewer in terms of. Listening back to interviews I've done when I'm like logging the tape and trying to figure out what are the best quotes, what are the things I'm going to use, then the number of times someone will say something fascinating and that really just invites a good follow-up question. And you blow right by it. And there's just like a long pause and I'm like, awesome, cool. And then read (laughs) the next question I have written down. And it's just in the future, it's just like, no, past Mark, you are an idiot. What are you doing? And it's so frustrating and i think i've gotten to a point where i am no longer getting in my own way i am i am not like stepping on people's great quotes and things which they have to say well, I probably did that in the beginning of this show asking you
0: questions. I, I totally can sympathize with th- that that issue.
1: Yeah, it's hard. It's really hard. And it's something that I think I've gotten better at but only by by failing miserably many many times.
0: Well, and I'm even trying to work through this in the, in the format of this show. Like the first uh, few episodes of of this show including maybe somewhat this one is is developing the show too. I had a show that was just for professional photographers before. And that audience is relatively limited compared to I'm like, okay, I just want a general show just like what I'm, what I'm into. And the, I've had different guests on every time and I'm trying to strike this balance between like, I don't want to do exactly interviews. I want it to be more of a back and forth conversation, but but it's hard when it's like a new person every week, too, because then it you know naturally you're inclined to like ask a lot of questions because they're the guest and I mean you right now, like it's like I want to make you feel welcome on the show <laughs> and and introduce my audience to you, and I don't know, so this is a very meta moment of like trying to figure out how to balance conversation that's interesting to listen to and like an authentic conversation between us and then also providing entertainment. And <laughs> I don't know, th- this is the fun of of podcasting. And, and what I like about podcasting is it gives you a, the time to hash all this out. You know, the format is long enough that you can deal with the kind of tough questions like this.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. It's it's something which, you know, I'm definitely drawn to the more concise, really short podcasts. I really do love, I mean, something like Fresh Air or whatever uh, is a great interview show. And I for that, it's something where it's like the interviews are themselves are something like an hour and a half usually. Mm-hmm. But then they're edited down to, you know, 30 to 45 minutes. It, and it's something where it's like there's enough time in doing something like that where you get these great answers and reflections on what the, whatever art or impact that they've made or had. But, it feels like it's just the greatest hits of the of the interview you're not you're not getting the the b-sides um, which is is like i don't know but it's really hard to balance i think like the concise aspect of that i tend to follow and look for in a podcast versus giving the time
0: well, that would be the ideal for this if i could record 90 minutes and and release 30 40 that that'd be awesome mm-hmm but for me, so much of the so when I'm doing videos, that's my time to be concise because it has to be even tighter for YouTube. Right, like ten yeah. minutes is a long video.
1: Yeah,
0: in five minutes is really like it's which is to me is nothing. Like it's so frustratingly short, especially when I'm talking about technology. Like, um, you know, I do I do an iPhone review in ten minutes. I feel like I I really said nothing about it, and and I go back and watch my even when I've scripted it and I've planned it all out and I watch it again. I'm like. I didn't touch on the 10 most important things I wish I could have said. So it's, you know, it can be really hard. So for me, podcasting is a way to do that, that deeper dive and also release more regularly. So how did you end up in this situation where I imagine you're spending a pretty long time on each episode? Do you ever get tempted to do another show that's not edited or, or what?
1: Um, I'm definitely tempted by that. I have, I have some ideas for lower, lower time commitment shows where it's just like, man, it would be so nice if I could just like (laughs) sit down and not have to do like, there's a lot of work in preparing for a show, but it's just like, it would be nice if it wasn't. I mean, for some of the episodes that I, of this past season, like a lot of them from the time of like the first interview for the story to like when it was released for some of it was like over a year. (laughs) Yeah uh that's not all actively working on it but the, there's usually a decent number of of at least weeks if not months of editing and writing and rewriting and putting it together and figuring out what the story is and trying to get it just right where the amount of time is is large it is a lot of time <laughs> yeah, right
0: and and like i mean for me anyway then sometimes i i definitely question the return on investment for that oh, time. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was looking at, I just tweeted about this yesterday. I have two, uh, two videos. One is my iPhone 10 review and it's going to have, it just hit like 200,000 views, right? That's great. Um, but I just did this really quick and that, so that took almost three months to record. Like it came out late, came out a bit too late, but I spent so much time on it. It's, you know, I, I feel like it's like the best video I've put out. Then I banged out a quick review of a smartwatch the other day in less than 24 hours, and it has double the views in one week. And that is so disheartening and frustrating. Like, I know nobody cares how long I spent on it, but it really makes me stare in the mirror and wonder, like, why do I sometimes spend that much time on anything? Is it is yeah. you know, should I just always be faster? Or, I don't know. You know, it's just a,
1: a thing yeah. I think about. I mean, for me, it's something where, From a financial standpoint, I am trying to figure out a better way of of making it work. But in terms of the amount of money that has come in for each episode from both the Kickstarter and from ads and the amount of expenses and the total time that it takes, like, it is a terrible, terrible investment (laughs) of time from a business perspective. Not at all. But, you know, that amount of time isn't, like isn't something that I'm putting in thinking, oh, this is going to be, like, such a good business. Generally, whatever whatever business school 101 would tell you to do, my instinct is to do the exact opposite. <laughs> yeah. But it's something where making it and being a perfectionist about it and trying to get it exactly right, I, mean, I think of it more as, like, an art form and artistic expression, storytelling and, like, writing a good story in a way where... Many writers have a hard time making their writing actually financially lucrative, but you don't write because you want to make a lot of money. You know that's that's not what's drawing me into doing this. It's you. You do it just because you know you feel. If you didn't write and create and make art, it feels like you would just like if you stopped and didn't do that. Like, who are you? What What is there? It's It's something you do. Basically, to survive, it feels like to be yourself. You need to be doing this.
0: And have you ever considered? I don't know. Like, have you ever thought about applying this to something like video? Or does that just seem too challenging? Like, do you ever have that desire to, like, you know, maybe I should just try to hit the widest audience possible?
1: I have like thought a little bit about doing some video projects, and I, I actually studied film for undergrad and made some video documentary stuff, and really enjoyed doing that. But it's something where. What I've found is, for me, audio is just, that's the medium that I am drawn to artistically. You know, it's just the sort of intimacy of it that I don't think is as as strong in in video. You know, video has its other strengths and ways that it it can do things that you can't do in audio. And the written word can do things that I can't do in the spoken word. But the trade-off of all these things in audio, I think is the form that I identify with the most.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I think I do too. <laughs> I think I do too, but I think I fell for the temptation of, of, the, of the audience. And I mean, I also, like just to talk about myself for a second, I don't know how I would possibly be growing my audio show without the video thing. Just in the technicalities of podcasting, it's much more challenging to discover an audience, to, to, to reach out to people and let people who would like your work find you. And how do you, how do you approach that? Like what has been your, I guess, marketing strategy? That's not really what I mean, but how have you tried to get the word out there about your podcast?
1: Oh gosh. I, it's something where it's like the reality of it is I have done very little. I think everything that has been, that has helped the show has mostly just been good fortune and if I've done anything right, it has been purely accidental, (laughs) Um, I mean, like, for for example, when I was first launching the show, I had made the first episode and I was getting ready to release it. I had the second episode that was partway done. And I was reaching out to a few people asking, like, hey, can I interview you for some of the other stories I was doing in the first season? Um, and I reached out to Jason Snell. And in reaching out, I was saying, like, talking about what I wanted to interview him about and said, here's a link to the first episode that... I'm going to be releasing like next week or whatever um, mm-hmm. than just to get a sense of what the show is like which I was doing just because I I feel like it's useful to know like what am I signing up for? Um, sure. What is like is this person competent? Like what is <laughs> yeah, What, what is am this? I getting into? Yeah, exactly. And since the show hadn't been launched you know just wanted to give a sense of like hey I'm trying to put a lot of time into this and this is how the interview would be used. And he clarified like what day is this coming out? And I was just like oh it's coming out then um, March 3rd and he was like, okay, cool, thanks. He's like, yeah, I'll totally talk to you for this. And I was just excited about that. And then when it came out, he like wrote it up on six colors and like shared it with other people at Relay and like it got a whole bunch of. You know, attention from the community like on day one. Mm-hmm. Not because I was like reaching out to Jason, like, hey, can you plug this thing? Like it was just I wasn't even thinking about that. I was just like, I would like if you came on my show.
0: <laughs> well, no, but I think that touches on what like the real universal secret to all this is, is just make something good. Like make a good product. Yeah. Because if you had done that and your podcast was crap, it wouldn't have gone anywhere, right? It's like it, yeah. He he shared it and he I mean, he's probably who I first heard it from, I, I expect. And it's because it was a great show, you know, because it was, it felt fresh and it was exciting and, and people wanted to hear it. And that's, in truth, like that's what makes things spread. It's really hard to, mar- and yeah. th- there's this whole genre of of podcasting that's like podcasting as marketing or podcasting as oh, a gosh. business model. And it's like, that's crazy to me. It's totally Bonkers, like who wants to listen to that? It makes my that? skin
1: crawl a little bit. Like, like listening to those is just like they are. I don't know. It's just such a cynical take on all of it. Yeah, yeah. Where the reason I created my show, like I wanted to learn how to make a podcast, and I didn't really think mm-hmm. anyone was going to listen. But the reason I made my show is just like, well, if I'm going to be making a thing and putting time into it, like <laughs> might as well be good. <laughs> well, I just like I want to make a thing that I'm mm-hmm. interested in. Like, this is a show I wish existed. Like, I love mm-hmm. this world of narrative podcasts and i love apple and i like apple podcasts but there is no one doing this thing and listening to hours and hours of stories on like the talk show or uh, atp or watching old documentaries about apple or reading these blogs for years i had heard lots of like interesting little stories and tidbits and things where it's like that's great but it's buried um, where they're trying to remember Mm -hmm. the story at like hour three of the talk show. (laughs) And so it's just (laughs) like, no one's ever going to be able to find this again. And it's a great story. And like, I wish someone was doing this to really catalog these stories and give them the polish and attention that they deserved. And so like, I was making a thing that I wanted to exist just for the sake of existing. Like, it wasn't like I expected this to get me anything or anywhere or anything like that. It was just like, I'm going to make this because like as a labor of love and, you know, try and make it good. And I think that resonates with people. It hasn't led to like being a huge financial hit, like the, the business model of it, like the amount of time per episode is absurd compared to like a weekly show like ATP or whatever, where you know they have a larger audience and can fit more ads into their show. And so it's something where it's like, well, they're going to make a lot more with a lot less time. And it's something where it's like from a business perspective, it's like, well, you make that show. Like that's, the, that's the show you want right. to be making. But for me, it's something where I like their show, but it's not—it's not the thing that I personally feel driven to make. And so it's something where you know I have to figure out like other ways of being able to support myself and fund things. And it—it does—it brings in money. It's—it's it's not nothing, but it's something where it's—it's it's like going in and thinking I'm going to podcast for for untold riches. I—it just feels so gross and. Well, and delusional to me. <laughs> yeah, a little delusional, but
0: yeah. The reason people are into your shows, is cause it's, it felt original and fresh, you know, like because if, if it was another, there's already an ATP, there's already um, a talk show and it's because you were something different. I, I, you know, I think that's the secret to a lot of things. I mean, again, tying it back to Apple, like that's the secret to a lot of Apple's marketing is just make products people already want <laughs> and uh, the way you market those can, change drastically. And it's a big challenge that I think Apple's competitors in, in the same markets, like other cell phone uh, manufacturers that are making really great products, but they have to work a lot harder to get that same mind share that Apple kind of gets for free just because they've made something that everybody already wants to engage with just from the moment that they saw it.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it's, it's the, the whole, like, Skate to where the puck is going to be. Figure out what people want <laughs> yeah. before they want it. Like that's the and, you know, they're doing it partially from a they are the world's largest corporation. Like they they are doing this for the benefit of the shareholders and like to make more profits. Like that's that's ultimately like why they are doing these things. But for I think hopefully many, if not most of the people there, they're working there because they believe in like they want to make The greatest things possible for people. And, you know, they're, they're, they're probably not, it's not something where like, I find it very hard to imagine, you know, waking up in the morning and thinking and being excited about the day and thinking about how I'm going to extract more value for the shareholders. Like that just, that, (laughs) that sounds so, so boring to me, um, where waking up and thinking like, what stories can I find and tell and share or, how can this thing that i'm working on make someone's life better those are the things that i at least imagine most people are focused on
0: and that i think if you really succeed at them the other stuff will probably follow you know if you it's, yeah if you can really uh, affect people in the right way then there's usually a way to turn it into a business. If people appreciate what you're doing, you know, it's, yeah. it, it's a lot easier to start from something that people enjoy and, and people like what you're doing than to backfill, you know, create something yeah. kind of sloppy and and junky that nobody wants to interact with and then try to extract money out of it. Uh, that's a, yeah. I think a bigger challenge I wouldn't want to, to
1: deal with. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's something where the sad reality is like the idea of like meritocracy and stuff is, is not true. And like, things that are, it's not always, if you make the best thing, it will get the attention that it deserves.
0: That's definitely true. Yeah.
1: But it's something where, you know, if you approach something with love and care and attention and really work hard at it, like it might not be the biggest thing, but, and it depends on how you're defining success. The people who it, the audience that it does find, it'll probably resonate with them more than most things ever will. <laughs> it's something where I need to toot my own horn a little bit, but like it makes me feel really great when I get, like, emails or tweets from listeners saying how my show is their favorite podcast and they've listened to episodes Mm -hmm. multiple times and, like, Mm -hmm. that they, uh, or that they just found the show and that they binged the entire thing in, like, a day or whatever. And hearing what it can mean to people or writing in about a specific episode and, like, how it reminded them of specific things and how it was personally meaningful to them, like, that means a lot. And that's the sort of thing where, like, that it can have that kind of impact on people like that to me is – that is its own success in a way that if I were making thousands and thousands of dollars from it, that would be great. I'm not objecting, but it's it's something <laughs> where I don't think that – because it is like making this thing is an ex, a form of self-expression and trying to find my own place in the world and make sense of everything, then – that kind of response and resonance is so much more meaningful to me than the financial side of success.
0: Well, I can personally guarantee that everybody listening to this show right now is going to go and binge your show and write you about how great it is. So, <laughs> so uh, that's that's my my gift to you. Is every listener is going to do exactly that. I wanted to talk a bit about podcasting in general as well. Yeah. as uh, kind of like where it's where it's going. You know, speaking of skating toward the pucks heading. Um, like <laughs> I was saying that I and I'm I'm saying this constantly right now. Like I think, okay, Serial was. Uh, one of the times everybody said we're in a golden age of podcasting. And before that, you know, there's been many benchmarks of saying like, podcasting has arrived. And Mm -hmm. of course, when we look at the actual uh, growth of this, it's going to be a much more just like a steady incline, you know, like it's just, it's growing Serial definitely
1: accelerated it uh, and gave a large boost and definitely made Mm -hmm. it much more people who weren't listening to podcasts. I think the awareness of podcasting was greatly increased by that. And then from there, it's been a very steady, if slow, climb into increased cultural relevance totally
0: and it probably still hasn't hit that point of being something everybody understands you know like we we're still not at the same places say youtube is um, where like kind of yeah everybody's grandparents have a rough idea of of what it is and how it works
1: yeah video on the internet is like it's like okay i get this concept yeah (laughs) yeah i
0: know what's happening but I, i really do think like we're about to hit uh, just a more faster acceleration because of things like uh, HomePods and Echoes and uh, Google Homes and AirPods as well. I mean, I I hear a lot more people talking about how they kind of forget that they're wearing headphones and they just keep listening to stuff, which is how I've always listened to podcasts (laughs) when there was a cable hanging out of my ear. Yeah. But uh, I think it's becoming more common that that, like, I I really think that it's going to stop being that thing where people a few people turn it on for their drive time commute and it's going to be a, a more consistent form of ed- entertainment for all the reasons that, I mean, I already know that I like it because I can do it while I'm washing the dishes or editing photos, or, like doing other things with my hands and my eyes. But I don't know, do you, do, do you feel like there's there's going to be a thing? Am I crazy? Am I just wishful thinking because I started my podcast this year?
1: <laughs> no, no, I think I think for sure the industry is, is growing and it's a really exciting time. I feel very privileged to be like coming up at a time when the medium is getting so much new attention. And, and so like I, I had been getting into it and just starting like right before serial was a thing. And it, it definitely has been nice and to, gratifying to, to have, to see the change in how frequently I have to explain what's a podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, and I think there still is a lot of space for the medium to grow. Yeah. I, it's something where as a, one of the things where, like, podcasts versus, like, radio, even when you have things that are sort of in the, like, as you st- as you said early on, like the NPR style, you know, podcasts are kind of different than when you listen to NPR. Like, if you listen to Morning Edition versus The Daily, those are very different sounding shows, tone and style and pacing. And personally, I find that podcasting fits much more what I'm looking for than sort of the older school NPR and radio styling. And I'm very interested to see now that The Daily is going to be syndicated as a radio show as well as being a podcast. I think it'll be what I'm hopeful of is that it kind of spreads the style that podcasts have now onto the radio and makes it more of the status quo so that, you know, podcasts can kind of find even new sounds and new voices and get weirder again. (laughs) Um, Where... Like, that, I find that really exciting of, like, with this sort of, this adoption of the medium in more of the mainstream only opens up the possibilities for, like, you know, it kind of means that what's been for a while been kind of niche and weird is now pretty mainstream. And that opens up the door for, like, okay, let's find new, weirder things that no one has thought of before. And I'm super excited to see where that ends up. I I don't know that I have any of the answers, but... I know there are tons of fantastically creative people who, you know, I'm excited to see what weird stuff they make next.
0: And I think what's going to really help is having, I mean, shows like yours are a good example. Another one I I reference often, like one of my most often recommended shows is Imaginary Worlds,
1: which is, uh,
0: have you
1: listened to that one? Yeah, not not a ton of it, but I I do know the show. It's Eric Malinsky.
0: Yeah, it reminds me of, of what you're doing in that it's like, there are so many topics that don't have any sort of dense podcast out there, right? There's a lot of rambly talky shows like this, where if, you know, you're willing to kind of go along for the whole ride, that's fine. But that's always going to be a more limited audience, I think, than people that Will start listening to podcasts for the first time because of a show like yours or a show like Imaginary Worlds, where they're mm-hmm. like, "Oh, okay, twenty minutes, and I know the whole thing will be interesting, like beginning to end. It's all like, <laughs> I can stay along for the ride, and I'm not going to get bored because they're start talking about sports. Um, you know, like <laughs> I, th- I think that's a that's going to bring a lot of new people in um, as they yeah. find like that show that feels like it was made just for them. So, yeah. you know, as more shows, like, it's going to feed on itself, I I think, that, like, as, as more of these shows, great shows come out, that uh, more and more people are, are going to be listening as well.
1: Yeah, I think something I'm really excited to see become more of a thing is short-run series, where This American Life started in, uh, what, November 1995 and has been running, yeah. <laughs> like, every week since then. Wow and you know they've reinvented the show basically like every 3 to 5 years and like totally changed what it is and people haven't cared because like as it it's still good and you know as long as it's as long as it changes kind of slowly and it's still of a high quality like people are for the most part forgiving about like changing style or what kind of the focus of the show is mm-hmm. but at the same time it's still like you or something like like a lot of a lot of shows you know they 99% invisible has been going for I don't know, uh, since 2010, 2011, and become more regular in their release cycle. But it, it's still something where, like, you come up with an idea, and you have a bunch of ideas, like or you come up with a, a concept for a show, and you have a bunch of ideas for stories, but, like, they're almost at episode 300 of 99% Invisible. <laughs> like, I don't think yeah. when Roman sat down with the idea, he had 300-plus story ideas. And, like, they're, it for them, it's, like, a broad enough umbrella of design and the designed world but it's something where you know coming up with like something specific there isn't necessarily you don't necessarily want to make a new podcast and then be like well I am making this every week forever (laughs) like like that's such such time yeah it's it's such a large amount of pressure where and honestly not every topic or set of stories should be something where it's like this is this is a great theme for like a run of like four to eight episodes mm-hmm. and finding ways of doing sort of short run mini series that are not necessarily like its own podcast in the same way. I think that's a really exciting space to to be watching where I think that's going to be a place for people to do much more experimentation and try. Longer form stories or things like S-Town um, are yeah, like I that. Yeah.
0: Even more than Serial, uh, S-Town really, well, that's what you're describing, you know, yeah. is a batch that it's like, uh, it's closer to an audiobook in ways. Like, exactly. Like download yeah. this little package and listen to the whole thing together.
1: Yeah. And, it, you know, it could be something like either S-Town or Serial in the style of like, once you have all these episodes, like there isn't for Serial, maybe there's like a follow up thing of like what's happened since, since it was like, became active again, but for the most part, it's, you know, this is the story or a collection of related stories on a theme, and then, like, that can be it. Like, you don't have to have, like, we are every week going to do a story about sled dog races, you know? <laughs> it's, you know, like, <laughs> like, like, maybe you have, like, five amazing stories about this, and through, like, the way that you sequence these stories, you have a, a really good, like, larger arc. But I... I personally don't think that—I think the expectation that everything should be show-based and focused on shows, I'm, I'm really excited to see that start to change. And I don't know how exactly it's all going to play out, but there are things like uh, Radiotopia's Showcase, trying things like this, doing a lot of, like, different short-run series. And there are, like, a number of NPR member stations have done, like, uh, however many part series on specific topics that are, like, local— doing really nice coverage of these things serialized format or a collection of stories related to you know what is like how will this issue impact the region and like five different stories that aren't necessarily in a specific seek like in a like this happened then this happened for the different episodes but you know you get a portrait of the landscape and this this larger idea Mm -hmm. through these different stories and i think more things like that i is what i am really excited to hear
0: well, can I borrow your expertise for a second and, uh, and, and let's, let's workshop this show for, for one minute. Sure. <laughs> like what, what do you see there being an opening for in like uh, the, the only way I'm really thinking about this show so far is that I create things in a bunch of different formats. Like I do photography, video and, and audio production. And I assume there's some other number of people out there that are interested in those same things, <laughs> but I have no idea what the pitch is. Like, what's the, what's the thing that, Binds those things together. That does, like I don't want it to sound too uh, sort of airy fairy, like soft and fluffy about the idea of like oh it's the like just it's about being creative and being an artist. I want to you know feel like you're going to come here and get better at whatever the thing is that you do. How might mm-hmm. how can I spin that into something listenable?
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's hard in terms of balancing those different things. You know, there's there's different ways of doing that, whether it's different segments where it's, okay, this is the part of the show where we, like, you know, we prepare, like, a few different tips of, like, for maybe they're specific to a medium or a style of of creative work or maybe some of them are more general. But, you know, maybe there's a there's a section of, like, concrete, actionable things. Maybe you have some of that. And then also time to kind of dive more into the philosophy of it as well. Or maybe you find that, like, you know, there's maybe that maybe that's not even the focus at all maybe it's more learning about artists like the artists behind the work rather than as much about the work itself or whatever Or about them even creating it, like this. Actually,
0: this triggers an idea I'd kind of been forgetting about. But I had this idea a little while ago of that I could have segments, and nobody hold me to this. I'm going to to (laughs) say this, but I could have segments in the show where I would say, do like record something in long format. Like the last episode was about uh, photography tips. I just tried to pack in like here's all the stuff that you wish you'd been told earlier to be better at photography. I could break those up into segments So record them all at once. And like, it's just a section of the next 12 shows with all these tips that I recorded at once. Right. Mm. So that, you know, in, in 30 minutes in, you always know like, okay, now we're going to the photo tip. Okay, great. That was the thing. And I recorded it with whoever. So they're almost like a guest on the show each time. (laughs) And maybe I have like a unique guest on the show each time. And then maybe there's like Tyler's thoughts as like an after, you know, like a variety show basically, but I could also pre-record chunks of it so that, I don't know. Do you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? No, I get Does what I mean, you're saying. This?
1: It's definitely like, that's a style of thing that people can do. I think it's something where like, it definitely has varying response of people who do or don't like it. It's, I think the biggest thing is just like thinking about like, what, what do you wish that there was that you could listen to? Like, what would be, what is there that presumably like there, are, you listen to, I mean, you listen to a lot of podcasts what doesn't exist right now that you wish you could subscribe to is there already stuff where people are talking to your favorite creators about the process then maybe mm. like focus on a different aspect
0: yeah i feel like that one i feel like people are doing that so i got to i got to get something more original
1: yeah i mean you know figuring out what are the what are the things that are missing and then like with those people like what are what are just the things you want to know from them like what are, mm. what are the things you want to learn about <laughs> these people like yeah. Yeah. that's it's something where it's like Many times, like when I'm interviewing people, like there will be the main story, but I'll also just have questions which, like, maybe this will be relevant, but like, I also just want to know this about your work. And where, yeah. like, sometimes that can be really great for like providing care, like some color for them as a character. But it's also just something where, you know, why are you, what are you hoping to learn from making it is an important thing. Mm-hmm. My creative nonfiction writing uh, professor uh, and advisor for a number of years, then she, she would always tell me how, like, in in writing, you know, you should be writing something because there's something you don't know yet and you are trying to discover through your writing. And it doesn't mean you necessarily come to a concrete answer, but there is some, some driving question that is a sincere question and that you don't know the answer to. Mm-hmm. And by going through this process, it should hopefully bring you closer. Maybe it'll introduce new questions and new new things that you spend your time worrying about <laughs> but you know it's it's something where making creative things should help you understand something or learn something that you fundamentally didn't understand or wanted to know before which i certainly applies to an interview show when it's writing about something where you know i might know a lot about it like the i fix it episode you know mm-hmm. trying to process like my own <laughs> conflicted feelings of like i really like having the shiniest newest iphone and gadgets i i really like that but it's also something where like i find it really hard to balance that and you know (laughs) make sense of that alongside of the environmental impact of these devices which is something that i find very concerning and like lots of these other things and so trying to find like where do i fall on this i think that is very important in the creative process. And, you know, when it's making, even if it's something where it's, you know, interviewing other creative people, what is it, what, like, what guiding questions do you have? Like, what is it that you hope to learn both from, like, a specific episode and also, like, from making the show as a whole? Like, what is the the larger Thing you're trying to understand or make sense of
0: well and of course this is why i invited you on the show because i wanted to make a better podcast so, so here it's it's happening in action right as we speak. all right yeah this is, the, this is the most meta show yet but that's what happens in you podcast about podcasting i guess <laughs> yeah uh but yeah one more thing like, well, I've got you, let's just circle back to Apple for a minute, yeah, I don't get to i all I listen to is apple news shows, and I don't get to have one and uh, and you don't really have one either, so like let's I don't spend... i
1: I rarely get to actually have any commentary on the world of apple, so that's <laughs> so let's pretend for the next
0: few minutes that we are we're we're commenters that uh are are are, are checking the internet lately,
1: yeah, okay, let's see what's in the
0: news, check your Twitter feed.
1: Oh, <laughs> Apple just released a new version of iOS with a fix for the Telugu character bug that uh, was causing devices to crash.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. That's good. That's good news. I didn't run into that bug, fortunately. But uh, Is, is follow... that the
1: one from a few months back? N- I don't think it's a few months old. This is pretty recent where uh, it's these characters uh, in the Telugu script where when they would be drawn in an iOS app or typed, like pasted onto the keyboard... Then would cause everything to crash, and you know, from <laughs> doing the crazy. emoji story a little while back, I follow tons of Unicode nerds on Twitter, and all of them were being just total jerks about it and retweeting, retweeting that. So my my Twitter app has been crashing constantly oh for the past week or so. Wow!
0: So you, <laughs> so you definitely
1: encountered this. Yep, I I was all all too aware of this issue.
0: Wow that's those bugs are so strange that are getting in there, and I mean is this tied into what was happening with the machine learning autocorrect I think this bugs? one's
1: very different, okay. but that one was that one's also just such a it's such a <laughs> concerning that one was such a yeah. concerning one in terms of not the specific issue. the specific issue was like kind of silly and dumb, but yeah. the thing that's scary about it is that it's you you try and get computers to train themselves and be smart. And, you know, someone must have accidentally managed to type this weird set of characters. And it's like on one person's device, it thinks that this is right. And Mm -hmm. then that spreads accidentally to another person and they, it autocorrects to that and you know, it, it starts to spread like a contagion. <laughs> and Suddenly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. suddenly all these computers are doing things that are so obviously dumb Talk and, like, about going viral. Yeah. Oh God. But it's, uh, <laughs> it's something where like when you think about like self-driving cars, like that's powered by like machine learning and all these things yeah. where it, what happens if like a car accidentally like learns to run a stop sign, <laughs> like mm-hmm. suddenly it's just total anarchy going on it. It's, it's very concerning that it's Something that to a human is so obviously wrong and dumb, but you know that's it, a computer doesn't have that same perspective. They're
0: back well, to that, way... my Mac OS example. Yeah. <laughs> Mac, like that's the, the spelling it's getting is Mac trucks, like a, capital M A C K, and this is on a Mac anyway. <laughs> Um, but, you know, that's where I've really been feeling it. I mean, I feel like it, this is all part of the same thing, the, the machine learning issues, is I, I use dictation quite a lot, and I think it's been learning some really bad habits lately. I, I do think it's gotten worse. And I would, in my mind, I associate it with when the core ML stuff started really coming out, and they like, pr- probably, bef- I imagine just before that, Apple had started leaning on it for their internal stuff more. But I, oh, the mistakes are getting... I don't know if there's more or they're just weirder. Like, they're just so crazy that I notice them, you know?
1: Yeah, it's, it's something where I don't know how, how big of a deal some of them are. But it's as a general trend, it's definitely concerning to see the number of weird little bugs that slip through the cracks. But it, it sounds like Apple, with the report from Mark Gurman... Then uh, they formalized kind of and internally like articulated like, hey, we are officially like being a li- we want to be more careful, a little more conservative about shipping new features and things where it- if there's problems, we don't want to put that out yet. <laughs> um,
0: right, right. Where, <laughs> yeah, good, you know. Good idea.
1: <laughs> which I mean, like is so obvious in a way, but it's something where I think the culture had been such that like the pressure was just it has to. Get out there like done or not, this is the deadline. Yeah, and so have you have a new project to work on. Yeah. And then, you know, they would try and scramble to fix any of the bugs and things that did slip through the cracks. But like the reality is, it's just like, you know, try and hit that deadline. And if you don't, release it a little bit later.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: You need to be working in lockstep with people on hardware and larger system integration in the OS. But it's okay if a feature doesn't ship. On day one of the OS, if some of the things they're putting putting out in point releases, this is, I think, a welcome change.
0: Right, or seeing them hold back the messages in iCloud is, oh yeah, hopefully part of that. Right, that like they they realized it. Would <laughs> that have is been the not same a thing problem. to
1: release uh, half baked. Yeah, please, please oh, do <laughs> not put it out too soon.
0: But on, on a more positive note, like what do you what do you hope to see from Apple in in the next year or two? Like, what are things you're excited either excited about because they might be coming, or things you wish they would do?
1: Let's see. What are some of the big features that I wish they were doing? It's hard. I don't know how much low hanging fruit there is.
0: Well, I mean, something on my mind because I was just listening to Marco talk about it is the uh, importance of working on cross-platform developer tools of um, mm. sort of the aging development of uh, Mac software and that it's just so challenging to port iOS software over that fewer and fewer developers are doing it, so all the innovation is happening on iOS. Yeah. I I, I don't know if, I think it was German that was talking about that uh,
1: kind of report
0: as yeah, well, yeah. Of, that it might be happening or that this is something Apple's
1: Supposed to be shipping about. this year, yeah
0: right but um whether or not it's actually coming hearing it especially hearing marco as a developer talk about it uh, really sells me on how important it is cuz like like we were just saying to i think both of us the mac is that's it to me really like oh I, yeah the, the, i i can use an android phone that's it's fine i can live with it but like i need i need a big powerful computer a lot of the time and um, th- there are Good apps. I mean, right now I'm in Audio Hijack. That Audio Hijack might be the best newest app that I use.
1: Everything from Rogue Amoeba, I totally. I yeah. will like. They just released a new app, Farago, a uh, soundboard app, and without, have you
0: found a use for it yet. Um, <laughs> I actually have. I,
1: I but I even before I found a use for it, I immediately just like I don't have a ton of money, but I'm plunking down my money to buy this. Like I, yeah, yeah. I will just. Pretty much blind by whatever they release.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they are that kind of developer. I have, I didn't, I didn't buy that one yet, but I have most other things they've made.
1: Yeah, I, I've been using it to do sort of like live, sort of performance stuff in the style of my podcast um, for like doing lectures for the class that I'm helping teach about podcasts. Oh, cool! And then hopefully going to do some. I. I I would like to do some kind of live show for Welcome to Macintosh and this is mm. like the ideal tool for that.
0: Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah.
1: Sorry, I derailed you there. Yeah, <laughs> no,
0: no, no, that's fine. Then like the the final thing on my mind is and um I'm hoping to bring on some some of the, you know, good podcast world guests to talk about this. A big topic I just want to deal with this year. So it it'll it'll be an ongoing thing, but is the state of Apple computers and actually computers in general, because I, I want to talk to some Windows users as well, but just for creatives, like what is the machine you need to buy? Like what are bare minimums for doing different types of creative work and how well are different platforms addressing those needs? And especially Apple, you know, uh, when the last MacBook Pro was announced, a lot of people were very concerned about it. Uh, felt like it wasn't going to meet their needs, especially at higher pro levels. And how much did that come true? You know, people still d- it. I mean, you said you're using one of the Touch Bar models. Huh? Yeah,
1: it's a little bit of a complicated story. It's not worth getting into right now. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm 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 using one of those, and I I like it. It's fine. It's not. I I think that there are there are things that could certainly be better about it. I am not a huge fan of USB C or being USB C only. Uh, I was working off of a working off of an external drive while sitting in a like comfy chair uh, earlier today. And I kept having it like I would move slightly, and it would jostle, oh, and my hard drive would yeah. disconnect. And it's just like, oh
0: my god! <laughs> I do still, I still get that on my uh, older USB. Ports it's as just a, well,
1: so it's it's such a it's finicky worse. connection. Just like this, how small the port is, it feels like it's a little easier for it to jostle. So that's that is not ideal. And you know, I I don't think the touch bar is great. I don't like. I don't hate it. It's just like. As an extra cost and complexity for the computer, I meh. It's and then the keyboard problems definitely concern me. So it's
0: yeah, that freaks me out.
1: There's there's a lot of of drawbacks to this new design, but at the same time, it is something like the iMac Pro. I am Oof. very excited about.
0: Oh yeah, no, th- that I I, me I want one more of those. About, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I haven't been so excited about Apple hardware in a while, and yeah. Uh, and and especially with, I mean, I thought them announcing the Mac Pro, you know, not not announcing uh, or <laughs> pre-announcing the, the real Mac Pro right before that made for the perfect balance. I mean, I'm not the first person to say this, but that knowing that it's coming makes me love the iMac Pro that much more
1: because it doesn't oh, yeah. have
0: to be everything to every professional, you
1: know? Yeah. And it's it's something where, you know, we'll see what happens with the Mac Pro. Maybe that would be better for the stuff that I'm interested in, but mm-hmm. frankly, like, the iMac Pro seems pretty perfect. The only mm. issue right now is that it starts at $5000 and uh there is <laughs> yeah. that is I do not have that allocated in my current budget.
0: <laughs> well here, here's what would be non perfect that would be more perfect about a sort of a tower situation is that you could you could spend however much less both because the the in, the enclosure and everything should be cheaper. Like you're not cramming as much stuff into a small space. It should be less expensive per horsepower yeah exactly and then you can add oh god it please i hope it seems like you're going to be able to more easily add external graphics cards and more things are being able to take advantage of that lately so depending on what your work is exactly i mean i don't know i I don't know if much audio hardware can do anything on gpus
1: but i don't know how much audio hardware can do with gpus but for video work and photo work it is Huge! One of my good friends who has helped out with the podcast has done uh, a few animations for for the illustrations for this season. Colin Pope, he's an animator at the Washington Post. His work is fantastic. I love he-
0: your illustrations. They're amazing.
1: Yeah, I've worked with a number of different illustrators. Colin uh, is a good friend of mine and everyone should check out his work too. Uh, I'll gladly plug that. He's done some really cool narrative animated work with the Washington Post. There's one on the future of coffee. People should check that out.
0: <laughs> cool, yeah. I I but, like coffee. So. Yeah,
1: but he has I think it's a 2010 Tower Mac Pro. And the things he has done to get modern gpus in there like the and just the like the the weird hacks he's had to resort to and like the thing is just like sticking out hanging out of the computer like (laughs) there's weird new cabling that he's had to put in and it's just like this is so concerning
0: (laughs) i was just visiting some site my mac video i don't remember what it was called but that um they'll they're customizing more modern video cards to like there's some amount of soldering of different like little memory Bust some things that need to be to operate on macOS. And like people are going to lengths to make this work. Yeah, on the cheese graders. Which yeah, I I used mine for an exceptionally long time I loved that machine. And um, <laughs> you
1: know,
0: I'd love to be able to go back to something like it where I don't have to be quite as janky with the add-ons.
1: Yeah, and it's it's something where that one it's like it's still technically possible to do it. It's just like because it's so old, then you really have to go to these extreme lengths to make it work. But mm-hmm. You know, they've said that it's going to be modular and that it will be they've they've talked about it being upgradable. So, you know, that I am very excited to see what that means. And, you know, I like I find that very appealing of like Mm -hmm. what if especially like if my work does end up involving more on the video side, then, you know, that I'm able to like upgrade to do better with that uh, in a few years Where, like, right now for audio, it's just like, okay, the things I have might use a bunch of CPU cores, but not GPUs.
0: Well, I I also think it's interesting how much you can do on the... Like, I still end up, unfortunately, when I'm traveling, I kind of have to edit a lot of my videos on a 13-inch last-gen, like, pre-touch bar (laughs) MacBook Pro. And you know what? It works. (laughs) Yeah. So, like... I want this 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 better hardware. Like I want to again feel like I have the fastest machine possible. But you know, fortunately, Apple is still also doing a great job with the acceleration in final cut is crazy. I recently switched from uh, Premiere Pro, so I've really seen that speed boost, and it blows my mind. I can't believe how much faster it is, so,
1: yeah. But I like my MacBook Pro is my sole computer right now. And, you know, it's it's why I have the top of the line laptop where it's it has to be everything and capable of doing, you know, large, large renders of very complicated audio projects with, mm-hmm. you know, some of them. I think the, the record I had was close, something around 50 tracks on it where and like tons of plugins on each ones where it's there is a lot going on. And when you export that, then it just kind of turns the computer into a space heater for a little while but um yeah. uh, it's still something where it's totally capable of doing that it's i have to wait a little bit while it exports but like while i'm working it doesn't feel slow and it's a great machine i have for all the complaints i could have about it you know i'm able to get my work done really really well and i would i would not trade this for any other laptop that's on the market right now it is i, I can 't imagine working on something else
0: oh that's that 's a pretty good endorsement. All right. Well, uh, we are now clocking in at my longest episode, which I I think was totally worth it. I'm I'm so (laughs) glad you could join me, Mark. I think this is great. And I I liked playing uh, Apple commentator for a few minutes. Thanks for letting me indulge in that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You should just cut out all those long sections where I rambled incoherently and uh, it'll it'll (laughs) fit in a a good time.
0: (laughs) And I'll I'll release them as a bonus episode. Oh, gosh. (laughs) But yeah, no, thanks again, Mark. And if anybody hasn't paused this and gone to listen to Welcome to Macintosh,
1: this episode's over you can go listen to it now uh people can find the show at macintosh.fm
0: and uh you know you should also uh write mark and tell how great it is afterwards <laughs> and then if you have a chance afterwards you could also leave a uh rating for this in the itunes store because it really helps uh you know letting people know the shows you listen to is the only way podcasts get promoted so thanks for listening and thank you so much mark for being yeah, here.
1: yeah uh it was a lot of fun